Hey, uh, good morning, everyone. We're so glad that uh, you're hanging out here at the JAR today. If you would, uh, when you walked in, uh, you should have received a program and a card that looks like that. If you could pull that out real quick, uh, that would be great. And uh, if you need a program, uh, just raise your hand. One of our greeters will get it for you. But on uh, this Friday, we're going to have a free kind of party uh, admission at Escapades. And so you can be a part of that and would encourage you to invite somebody. Uh, maybe it's one of your kids' friends and their parents, a coworker, neighbor, whoever it is, that if you would go ahead and invite someone, that would be great. And uh, if you have multiple people, but you only have one ticket, that's good. We'll uh, let you come in anyways. Um, so this uh, Friday at uh, 6 o'clock from 6 to 8, if you can do that, that'd be great. Deal? Deal. Deal. Okay. Um, I had a buddy uh, who I've been uh, reaching out to, building a friendship with this week. He uh, sent me a text. He knew I was talking about sex, so I'd invited him to come. And uh, he said, and I said, you know, you can't really pass on this because you get an extra hour of sleep, and we're talking about sex. And he's like, why can't we have an extra hour of sex and you talk about sleep? Um, that's why he's single right now. Um, but we're glad he's there. Um, so we will be talking about that. Well, hey, before we uh, jump into our, our material today, uh, let's uh, pray and we'll uh, get started. Well, loving God, we want to become wiser today in this area of sexuality. So we invite you through your Holy Spirit to come and to move uh, in our midst. For those of us that need a challenge, challenge us. Those of us that need convicted, convict us. Those who need some healing today. God, would you come and would you bring healing in this area of, to our hearts? Help us to be teachable and moldable today so that your name would be made great. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Most of us realize that in life, things can be done in a wise way and things can be done in a foolish way. Driving, for instance. It's good to drive as long as you drive the speed limit. Take it from a guy who got three tickets for going over the speed limit in six months and had to do defensive driving school. It's not wise to break the speed limit. Jet skiing. Jet skiing can be one of the most liberating experiences. You're out on the water, the wind's blowing, everything's wonderful. Take it from a guy who went to Dell Hollow Lake a few years ago, got on a jet ski. They told me where the boundaries were for this jet ski and what time I need to bring it back because it got dark there late at night. And I broke the boundaries, ran out of gas, and had to swim the jet ski back and almost got hit by two different boats. It's wise to have boundaries. Running. Running can be an amazing experience. 
And when you run within your limitations, you actually get healthier. Take it from a guy who decided that he was going to finish the mini marathon down at Indy at a particular time, even though that he knew that he had a stress fracture going into it. And on mile number two, even though he heard his foot pop, he kept running the race until finally he broke his foot. He was in a cast for two months, unable to walk, let alone run for two months, and for six months was not able to exercise. Take it from me, folks. Everything in life has a wise way and a foolish way, a right way and a wrong way, a liberating way and a destructive way. And in every area of life, you and I would agree with this except one, and that's human sexuality. This is the one area of life where we have a very hard time accepting speed limits, accepting boundaries, accepting some limitations. Folks, almost everyone in this gym, including myself, have not followed God's wisdom perfectly when it comes to this area of sexuality. But today we want to learn how to get off the foolish path and to get on God's wise path when it comes to this area. Now let me say this. Sex is a good thing. And so are God's parameters for it. Whenever experienced in the confines of marriage, it can be a liberating experience. It can be fun. It can be safe. But when you go outside those limitations, when you go outside those boundaries, what you find is that typically people eventually go down a path that leads to a lot of hurt and a lot of pain. The writer of Proverbs was very clear that sex, like everything else, has a really wise way, but it also has a very foolish way to go about it. Now, the problem with our culture is that many people believe that this book called the Bible, has a negative view toward sex. And it's not true at all. The Bible says that we should be on wide open waters in sex. And God, through the Bible, says go full throttle, have a blast, enjoy it within the parameters. Now let's look at what it says in Proverbs chapter 5. It says, May you rejoice in the wife of your youth, a loving doe, a graceful deer. May her, let's say it together, just kidding. I had a guy in the first celebration, we got to that part, he's like, breast! And up here like, what is up with him, you know? May her breast satisfy you always, May you ever be intoxicated with her love. Now, if you can get fired 
In a church, it would probably be with a verse like this, right? Well, folks, the Bible isn't down on sex. It's just that Bible sex is a lot better. Now, most of us would chalk up sex as merely a physical act. Most of the world does. And the Bible says, no way. Sex delivers a lot more than just a a physical experience, but it's spiritual and emotional and mental. Sex powerfully unites two people. Sex brings people together as one, as the scripture says, mind, body, and spirit. Bible sex is celebrated as much of a more mysterious and powerful act than the world ever gives credit for it. I want you to know today, folks, that God is pro-sex. In fact, He invented it. One of His first two commands was to be fruitful and multiply. In other words, to have a lot of sex and have a lot of kids. That's what is one of His first comments was. And within the boundaries of marriage, between a man and a woman, sex is beautiful and fun and good. So, are you married? If you're married, be intoxicated with your spouse. Just make sure that you focus on sex as not simply a physical intimacy act, something that's just merely physical. And if you do, you will stay on track to healthy sexuality. Sex is a very, very good thing when it's on a wise path. But we can't stop there because there's another path that calls to you and to me every day. And it's a foolish path. Now, many people... Many single people will come up to me, many married people too, will say, I have the power to avoid the foolish path. But you know what the reality is? Very few people do. In fact, I saw a study this week that most well-intended Christian singles, people who are following Christ who are single... And they say, I'll never go down that path. The reality is 95% of them do. Even fewer married Christians think that they would ever go down a foolish path. But almost half of them will. So this is where we're at. Talking about this path and whether we will be wise with it or foolish. And the writer of Proverbs gives us some hope. Now, here's a question, bonus question. How many of you remember, who is the writer of Proverbs again? Solomon, okay. And does anyone remember Solomon's dad's name? David, David. Now, David is like big time. David is the greatest king in the Old Testament, the first half of the Bible. He wrote the book of Psalms, the longest book in the Bible. He was the only person in the Bible to have this title, a man after God's own heart. But even David went down a foolish path. He decided one day 
that his wife wasn't enough and he went and he slept with someone else, got her pregnant, she lost the baby, and then the pain of his choice affected generations to come that were a part of his lineage. So Solomon, his son, who's writing Proverbs, says, I know what my dad went through and I want to write and warn against going down that same foolish path. And the story that we're going to look at today is in Proverbs chapter 7. And we're going to look at it, and I want you to keep in mind the context. The context is there's this male teacher, Solomon, who is teaching other people. But it's not just any other people. It is some young married men. Now, at this point, some of you women are like, well, I can just not listen anymore uh, because it's not referring to me. No, no, no. Today, though, I think it speaks to all of us. Men, women, single, married, the wisdom steps that we'll see here that lead to foolishness, if we're not careful, is applicable to all of us. So this is how it goes. The teacher says this to his students in Proverbs 7. Follow my advice, my son. Always treasure my commands. Let them hold you back from an affair with an immoral woman, from listening to the flattery of an adulterous woman. And then... Solomon begins to tell this story. I was looking out my window of my house one day, and I saw a simple-minded young man who lacked common sense. He was crossing the street near the house of an immoral woman. He was strolling down the path by her house at twilight as the day was fading, as the dark of night set in. Now, for the rest of our time, He's going to take us down what is a foolish path, and I want to give you seven steps that can lead us down this foolish path. The first step is this, that I was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Being in the wrong place at the wrong time. That's the first step that will lead you down a foolish path. Now the question becomes, well, where did this guy go wrong? I mean, it's not like he's looking for a one-night stand. It's not like he's walking down the road um, pursuing someone. But the only thing that we get is that it was late at night and he's walking by himself in an area that just might not be very conducive to wisdom. Now, let me ask you this. Is it a sin to go down to the local neighborhood bar late at night, by yourself? No. Okay? It's not a sin to do that. But what would the writer of Proverbs tell you? He'd say to you the same thing that he said to this young guy, which he called him two words. Do you remember what they were? He said you were simple what? He said you were simple-minded, and he lacked what? He lacked common sense. Now, acting simply or acting senselessly, again, that doesn't constitute a sin. But they are the first steps to the path of foolishness. So he warns them against it, and he says, don't do it. Don't be in the wrong place at the wrong time. Now, folks, wise people, what they do is that they... they put some uh, things in their life 
that help them with potential pitfalls. Now, foolish people, they just skip along until they see the hole and then they fall right into it. But wise people realize that they're just as susceptible to fall as anyone else. And so what they do is they simply alleviate the risk. They put some accountability people around them. They make sure that they don't get off the grid. They make sure that they keep some boundaries in their life that keep them from the ledge. Because the problem is, folks, when you get to the ledge, most of the time it's too late, right? It's too late. So here's some of the boundaries or parameters I put in my own life. First one is that I don't handle money uh, here at the church. Never have. I don't count the money. I don't take the money. I don't go deposit the money. And why do I do that? Because I don't ever want to put myself in a position where I would be accused of doing something wrong. So I just don't even touch it. I never meet with a woman, married or single, in my office without there being someone in the office. I just never do. First couple of years I did, and a person came up to me and said, do you think that's wise? It's like, yeah, it's not very wise. And so I just don't. And I've had women before that I'll meet to counsel them for something, and no one's there, and I'll say, hey, I can't meet you here. I can meet you at Starbucks, or I can meet you at IHOP, but I can't meet you here. Uh, Another thing, I don't ever go anywhere in the evening without letting my my wife know exactly where I am and who I'm with. I always want her to know. She can know anything about me. I want it to be totally open. Now, some of you might be saying, man, that seems a little bit overwhelming. It might seem a little bit overly cautious. But God's wisdom reminds me that anyone, folks, anyone can fall from any height if they act simply and senselessly. So the writer of Proverbs 7 says, don't do it. Now let me ask some of you this morning. Are you finding yourself being in wrong places at wrong times? Because if you are, You need to wise up and to get off the foolish track and to get back on the path of wisdom. Well, the story goes on. The woman then approached him and she was dressed seductively. In other words, the woman dressed provocatively. And it leads us to our second step, which is this. Someone comes along and they catch your eye. Someone comes along and catches your eye. Folks, this is going to happen. God created us as sexual beings. So there are going to be people that catch your eye. Whether you're single or whether you're married, it happens. But when someone catches your eye, you haven't committed a sin, right? Everyone's going to catch our eye. But what you do with that after they catch your eye, that determines. Uh, Anyone know who this is? 
Look, some men right now are like, uh, no, I don't, honey. There's a couple single guys that are like, yeah, I know her. This is Angela Buckman, the meteorologist for Channel 13. She's like one of the top ten hottest meteorologist females in the entire U.S. She just happens to be in Indianapolis, you know. Well, a couple of years ago, I was at a restaurant in Indianapolis, and just a couple of tables over from me was Angela Buckman. And I looked at her because I'm so overwhelmed by how her forecasting ability is, you know. (laughs) So she's a couple of tables across from us, across from me. And I see her, and our eyes kind of, you know, connect, and I kind of wave at her, and she waves back, and all of a sudden, drool starts coming down my mouth, you know? Now, there was only one problem. There was another person at my table, across from the table, who was my wife, Jennifer, who is much more beautiful than Angela Buckman, okay? And she sees this drool coming down, and she's like, who did you wave at and why are you drooling? And I'm like, because I'm looking at you, dear. (laughs) Now, all kidding aside, folks, visual beauty is a powerful thing. And there are men and women who late at night will surf the Internet to find visual beauty around. And soon it can become pornographic and people get addicted to this. And church, we've got to become wiser in this area. The rise of the internet, what it has simply done is brought a welcome mat to every single one of our houses as an enemy of sexual purity to every single person. Now, the truth about pornography is this, folks. It enslaves people. And it perverts the real view of how God intended sex to be. It hinders our experience to have sexual intimacy. It destroys relationships. We've got to get wiser in this area. And there, in a group this size, there are some people that you struggle with porn right now. You don't want anyone else to know, but it's your dark secret. And my suggestion to you is that you bring it to the light through Celebrate Recovery. It's one of the things that Chuck will often share with me, that there are so many hurts and pains that people, if they just brought it to the light through our Celebrate Recovery, people are seeing great freedom by just saying, hey, I'm not going to hide in the dark anymore. And this is the thing with porn, folks. You're not alone. There are tons of people who are living in closets addicted to something that is not what God intended to be. And you can find freedom. Your church has the ability to help you find freedom through Celebrate Recovery at 7 o'clock on Thursday nights. It's right there for the taking. Now, one more thing. If you're a parent, how many of you as parents would be willing to go ahead and go out, get some penthouse, play uh, boy magazines, open up a closet, 
uh, in your house, put all of them there, and then just walk away and allow your kids to decide if they want to go in there or not. Anybody do that? I hope not. But you are, folks, if you don't have blocks on your Internet. If you don't have blocks on your Internet, regardless of the age of your kids, eventually they'll figure out how to do that. In fact, I looked this week. You know what the number one word that is Googled for kids 6 to 16 is? Sex. It's the number one word. And once they Google it, do you think they, the first thing that comes up is a Bible scripture that lets them know? So you've got to put the boundaries there. Put it on their phones. Their phones have so much technology. Put it on there. And do it on your phone. Lead the way. Do it on your computer to have some blockages. Because this is what we're finding, folks. And I talked to Derek and other youth leaders. Kids that get involved in this and they get consumed by porn, it affects their future relationships in ways that is so unhealthy we can't even see it. Because what happens is they get married and they think that their new wife or their new husband is supposed to look like that, you know, uh, airbrushed model, and they don't. And so block it off. I'm begging you. I really am. I don't beg very much. I beg you, if you're a parent, do it right now. Put a block on the computer in your house. It's wise to do it. So back to the story. If someone catches your eye, what should you do? Well, I recommend what Job said. He said this, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a woman. Folks, someone's going to catch your eye. You just don't have to watch them with HD big screen TV, you know. You don't have to see all that. You just move your eyes. Cross your eyes if you have to. Roll your eyes if you have to. Move your eyes if you have to. Whatever you have to do with your eye contact, do it. Because lack of eye control can lead you down an unwise path. Verse 10, the story continues. The woman approached him, dressed seductively and sly of heart. You notice how she came out? She was targeting this guy, right? Do you think that still happens today? Yeah. Do you think men target women? Yeah. And she also had a sexual desire for him. And this is kind of our uh, third step. And it's what I call chemistry. Chemistry. Chemistry happens between two people for two basic reasons. First... Someone starts getting a little bit more attention, a little bit more affection than is normal. And the other person kind of knows that this isn't normal, but they like it and they receive it and they enjoy it. I see it all the time with marriages that I counsel. Someone will say, well, there's this person at work. And what about the person at work? Well, they're giving me attention. They're meeting my needs. They're uh, filling my tank with love. And what happens? There's this chemistry that starts happening outside of their, their marriage there. The second part is one person has sexual attraction for the other person. This can happen subconsciously. You may not even be thinking about it. But when it happens, chemistry takes place. 
So the real question is, what do you do when chemistry happens? Well, I talked to my wife, who is a physician, and she said that when chemistry happens, uh, this is what takes place physiologically or within your body. A rush of testosterone or estrogen plus dopamine, norepinephrine, serotonin, and oxytocin explode through your veins, creating a mind-paralyzing amount of indiscretion. Do you know what that means? You don't think right. She says it so much more, you know, academically than me, but... Folks, this is going to happen. You'll find some chemistry with someone else, guaranteed. And when it does, if you walk away and you say, that feels good, I like that, but I'm walking away, you walk on the wiser path. But if you go back to the person, you start getting to connect more, and after work you decide, hey, it's not a big deal, we're just going you know, to Applebee's, or there's a group of people, and you start doing that, Eventually, folks, it'll lead you down a path of foolishness. Now, the story continues on in verse 13. She threw her arms around him and kissed him. By the way, Angela Buckman did not do that to me, okay? We just, we just waved from a distance, okay? Now, the thing with kissing is, in our culture, we'd say, oh, no, 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 no. That would be way over the line. But in this culture, kissing wasn't a big thing. It was customary. In fact, uh, it'd be like a handshake for us today. That's the way the culture was at the time. But when she threw her arms around him, that was a step that went beyond normal. You see, the fourth step leads to uh, a foolish path, and the, the step is this. The lingering touch. A lingering touch. It's the uh, meeting that the two of you have, and you're joking around. All of a sudden, the other person puts their hand on your knee, and they just keep it there. Or you put your hand on their knee, and you keep it there for a little bit longer than what it should be. It could be a hand grab that just took a little bit longer of a touch. The hug that didn't bend slightly forward at the waist... Some of you will have to figure that out later on. You'll have to think about that a little bit, okay? The hug where your hands just go a little bit lower than the middle of the back. This is the step, folks, that is the lingering touch. It's not a sin necessarily in and of itself, but it's not wise, especially when it's a married person. And what the lingering touch does is, It keeps you on a foolish path. Well, the next step goes on into uh, verses 14 and 15. And it says, I've offered my sacrifices, the woman says, and just finished my vows. It's you I was looking for. Now, here, the step is what I would call the candlelight dinner. Candlelight dinner. Because if you remember... In the very first verse, what happens? It says he's walking down a road, minding his own business, but is it in the middle of the day? No, it's getting dark. 
They didn't have electricity, folks, so they had a candle light. There's a candle. All of a sudden, they come, they connect, they walk in, and then she really does want a number on it. Now, you may not know this, but in Deuteronomy, which is a book in the Old Testament, it's a book of laws. It's part of the law books. And in that, it would tell you what you were to do with your sacrifices or your vows, what you were to do to those. And one was a bread sacrifice. Most scholars believe this is what they were referring to because other uh, translations tell us that basically there was like this invitation. Hey, I need some help eating the rest of the bread because Deuteronomy tells us it had to all be eaten by midnight. And so it's dark and this guy sees us and he almost feels a sense of like obligation. It would be wrong not to eat this ceremonial religious bread to help her out so that she follows the law. But the problem is, she doesn't want him to just eat bread with her. She wants him to bake some bread all night long. (laughs) Do you know why people have candlelight dinners? Many times, if they're single, it's because they're alone. They say to themselves, It's not so fun to eat dinner by myself. I should have dinner with him or I should have dinner with her. It wouldn't be right for me to say no to them because they invited me to come over and to do this. But if you go to that dinner, folks, I just want to tell you, be careful that you don't get burnt by the candle. Because you are playing with fire. Step six comes. Look what happens. In verse 15 it says, I came out to find you and here you are. It's like she's saying, you are the person that I have been looking for my whole life. Even though I was married or I'm single, it doesn't matter. You know, he's not paying attention to me. She's not. But you, oh my word, I look at you and I look at your life and ah. So she says, my bed is spread with colored sheets of finest linen imported from Egypt. I got Ikea, Ikea sheets for you. I perfume my bed with myrrh and aloes and cinnamon. That's kind of weird. But if you put some Beth and Batty Walks, you know, and some Victoria's Secret scent, hey, we're good to go. Come, let's drink our fill of love until morning. Let's enjoy each other's caresses. For my husband is not home. He's away on a long trip. He has taken a wallet full of money with him, and he won't return until later in the month. Step six. It's the invitation to go through the door. It's the invitation to go through the door. Not just any door. The bedroom door. Now notice what she says in this invitation. She says, I have found you. I mean, she didn't just find anybody. This is a special invitation. Like you are one of a kind. I've heard people so often in my office, when they start going down this foolish path, many times they're married, and they'll say, well, you know... I know this, but it's like God has brought me and this other person together. I'm like, God didn't bring you together. 
He brought your spouse together with you, but not that. When they come in there, sometimes I want to do this. No, you didn't. Like, seriously, you're, you're going there? You're going to bring God in on your mistake and say, no, it was God that did it. No. Folks, this is the moment of greatest temptation. This is where the limbic system takes over. The rational part of your brain gets overridden by the part of your brain that controls drives, urges, and emotions. Folks, when you seize this moment, you accept the invitation All you want is to get on the roller coaster and to go as fast as you can with your emotions. You know, a few weeks ago on fall break, my family went to Disney World and we got on Space Mountain. And this is the thing I've learned about roller coasters, folks. When you get on them, you don't get off. You can be crying like a baby, like my dad was. Okay, it was me. But anyways... They will not stop that. And this is the thing I want you to know, folks. When you go through the door and you jump on the roller coaster, it's really, really hard when that thing's starting to go downhill to say, no, 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 break, break. I want to say, if you wisely choose not to walk down this foolish path, these kind of things don't happen. But seriously, folks, it is impossible. It is impossible for you to sit there and say it would never happen to me. I'll never forget the first mentor I ever had in my life in the, in the ministry. I went to his church to teach. I was teaching on the uh, four S's. The first one was sex. And I taught about uh, the story of Joseph running away from Potiphar's wife. You can look all that up. And I sat in this guy's uh, home with his wife and his two kids around their table. And little did I know that he was having an affair with a 28-year-old in that church, destroyed his entire marriage, destroyed everything with his two kids. And if you're sitting there and you say it can't happen to you, it can happen to you. It's possible. It's possible. Genesis chapter 4, verse 7 says this. Let's read this out loud together. Sin is crouching at your door, desiring to have you. The temptation to go down that path, folks, is there. And when it comes to sexuality, it is just right outside your door. Remember the woman? Remember what her temptation was? My husband won't be home. You see, when we fall into the temptation, the last thing we start thinking about are consequences. But that's what you should be thinking about. But what you think is there'll be no consequences. No one will have to find out. Don't worry about it. Nobody will know. But friends, if you continue down this path, there are consequences. Consequences to your faith, consequences to your family, consequences to your own well-being. Did you know that there are physiological and emotional consequences when you go through that door? There are tons of of statistics that uh, speak to this. 
Women, for instance. Women who sleep with multiple partners in a, multi, in a uh, short period of time, they, they've done this research. Their depression rate is 50% higher than all other women. Why, folks? Because if it was just sex and a physical act, it wouldn't matter. But it's not. It involves your emotions. It involves your spirit. Now, for those of you who are single, I realize that you're like, dude, how do I get beyond this? Because you go to candlelight dinners, don't you? You go to a dinner, there's somebody there, you're, hey, it's part of dating. But let me just say this, folks. If you're ever sitting at a table with someone and there's candlelight and all of a sudden they're like, let's not just have dinner here. Let's go on to the bedroom. That's when you say this and you can do it. You have the power to do it. I guarantee every single person here can. That's when you say, I'll go to a different table. That's what you do. You just remove yourself and you go to a different dinner table. And all the statistics that I looked at this week, folks, it just shows that it affects you. It does. Now, I know conventional wisdom, uh, we have some guys uh, here at the, at the jar, and they work for uh, uh, car companies. And so they, uh, you know, their whole thing is to get people in the car and let them test drive it. Now, that's great with vehicles. You want to do that, right? You want to test drive everything. The problem is with relationships, what's happening is that we're test driving things, and it's not good with relationships. That's why a lot of people live together before they get married. Because that's conventional wisdom. That's what you should do. But it's not God's wisdom. And I know right now, I know some of you are living together. And I want you to know this. God still loves you. He's amazingly in love with you. His love for you does not matter whether you live or you don't live. And guess what? This church loves you. We accept everyone, whoever they are. But this is the thing, folks. God wants to give you something better. He wants to give you something better than what you're living in right now. And that better is called marriage. Now, you can call God's old way fashion. It's old fashioned. But statistics tell us differently. Studies now are showing, folks, that people who cohabitate and people who are married, the people who are married are physically and mentally healthier than people who are cohabitating. That people who are married have a higher quality relationships than those who live together. So this is all I'm saying. If you're living together today and you're like, hey, in our relationship, we really want God to be the center. And I know some of you are working really, really hard at that. Why would you continue to live together if the greater benefits, their benefits, I'm not going to lie, their benefits to living together, but the greater benefits, the bigger benefits are when you choose the marriage track. Folks, there are consequences to going down that foolish path when it comes to sex. And we have to think about those things. Now, this is the thing, folks. It's not just single people, people who cohabitate. Married people are just as tempted as anyone else to go down a foolish path. And this is the thing I want you to know. When you go down that foolish path, there are consequences to your marriage. From day one, what happens is a lie 
begins to take place between you and your spouse. And most times, this is the thing that I always find out, most times they eventually find out whether the guilt and shame affects you so much that you spill it out or you just can't hide the secret and it comes out. If you have kids, folks, and you think, well, they're young, we can hide it from them. No, eventually stuff rubs off. Remember that a couple weeks ago? Stuff rubs off. It rubs off onto them. They have issues and one day they find out. Folks, there are serious family consequences when you go down a foolish path. There are spiritual consequences too. If you go down that path, you will wake up the morning after and you will have shame and guilt in your life like you have never experienced before. I counsel people in my office. I've seen them cry tears. I've seen the pain and the agonizing that goes on with couples when this happens. And they would stand up and they would tell you, don't do it. Don't ever do it. Now, for some of you, there's no doubt that some of you have. You're trying to keep it together. Let me just say this, folks. It's not too late for you to get some healing in your life. It's not too late to turn around and to have newness of life. Well, the story ends this way. So she seduced him with her pretty speech. With her flattery, she enticed him. He followed her at once like an ox going to the slaughter or like a trapped stag awaiting the arrow that would pierce its heart. He was like a bird flying into a snare, little knowing it would cost him his very life. And this leads us to our final step, and that is the decision to walk down the foolish path. And that ends up in the bedroom. Folks, in a group this size, there's no doubt that there are some people that you're there. Or maybe you're not there, but in your mind you're there. You've contemplated it. You've thought about it. And folks, if you're there, if you're struggling with any sexual sin in your life, there is one place you can go to find freedom and healing and wholeness, and it's at the foot of the cross. It's the one place where Christ died for you. He'll forgive you. He'll take everything and make it new. You can receive forgiveness from all guilt, all shame, and you can get back on the path of wisdom. You don't have to stay on that track forever. You can get back on a path of wisdom. So today we're going to close with communion around you are different tables. And these are freedom tables. These are tables for you to go and to confess whatever you need to confess and you can have new life. Now, what's the foolish path? For some of you, when it comes to sex, the foolish path is pornography. You know it right now. You're addicted to it. You can get freed up today. For others of you, It's the fact that you've been getting yourself into one-night stands for a period of time, and it feels horrible, and you want it to stop. You can get freedom today. Maybe you have gone through an affair or an abortion or a sexual abuse of some kind. No one else knows, but you know. And you've been carrying this shame and it's been holding you down. Today could be the day. Today could really be the day where you say, I'm set free. 
Folks, Jesus wants to lighten your load. That's what these tables are about. They're about people coming and having their loads lightened. And so we want to give you an opportunity today to go to any of these tables. And as you go to these tables, you can take a piece of the bread and you can just tear it off and dip it into the juice and to receive God's forgiveness for you. You don't have to carry it anymore. You don't have to carry it in your marriage anymore. And then I'd invite you to come back and we'll kind of close from Christ. I'm thinking about it today. We're going to turn off the lights, so if they can turn off the lights. The thing with sexual sin is, is that many times we keep it in the dark for a long time, just like you're in the dark right now. But you could go and you could receive light today by going to any one of these tables. You could receive that kind of healing today. And so if you accept Christ as Lord, I invite you to these tables and to get made well, whether it's sexual sin or anything else. So let's close in prayer and then uh, the band will kind of lead us. You take some time with God. So God, come right now in this place through your Holy Spirit. God, would you work and move and have your way. For people who have been going down a foolish path for a long time, God, would you help them know now that they can go and find wisdom in a new way. That they could be forgiven. That the stuff that they carried for decades and decades today could be forgiven. God, I just pray that you would remove any pain and hurt from people who've been carrying stuff that through what you did on the cross, Jesus, that they would know that their sins are forgiven today. And Father, I know that there are some marriages in this place that are at very painful places right now. Of the hurt and the pain of a foolish path. The stakes are high for these couples, God. So would you come right now through the power of your Holy Spirit, I pray. And would you bring forgiveness and healing today. God, as we come to these tables, help us to meet you there as we confess sin to you. So we take some time to do that. And then we would realize that you are the God who takes broken things and you make them new. You make them beautiful once again. Pray this in